Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, June 3rd, 13th, 2021. We're going to get it right. We're going to just get it. We're going to get it right. Don't you worry about that. Church, God has been so faithful to us. Can you say amen? He's been so faithful to us. He's led us into a journey, a, an ongoing transformation. He started us on day one, and he's moved us. Man, it's been incredible what the Lord has been teaching us. Rest assured, we have a lot further to go on this journey. His goodness is going to continue to be seen as he leads us all the way. Amen. His leading of this body, of you and I, here in this place today, we're going to call out to you today. We're going to call out to you. We're going to shake off the sleepies. We're going to shake off, shake off whatever's been hindering you this week. And we're going to come and we're going to have a battle cry today here in this place. A rallying cry that we need to be able to lift up his ways. We're going to lift up his word. We're going to lift up his will in each and every life in this place today. Can somebody say hallelujah? You are not here just by accident today. God has you here, and he is going to speak to you. He is going to move something on the inside of you today. The title of today's sermon, y'all ready for it? The title of the sermon is Step Up and Raise Up. Step Up and Raise Up. Turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 10 and say step up when you get there. There we go. <laughs> Deuteronomy 10.10. 10. Now I had stayed on the mountain 40 days and nights, as I did the first time. And the Lord listened to me at this time also. It was not his will to destroy you. Amen. Go, the Lord said to me, and lead the people on their way so that they may enter and possess the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. What's taking place here in Deuteronomy 10.10 10 is following the reinscription of God's word on the tablets that Moses brought back up to the Lord. And now, having those in hand, putting them in the chest, there is something that he must go and now do. That's to go. That's what the Lord said to him. Lead the people on their way. So that they may enter and possess the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. There's promises that need to go be pursued and sought after. The journey of ongoing transformation, having the tablets of our heart reinscribed, is designed to prepare and propel his people towards the next step. It's time to go this morning, it's time to get moving. It's time to move forward with the express purpose of taking possession of what God has promised. Yeah. It's time to step up this morning. Yeah. Not, not step back, definitely not step down, but this morning, we all as a church, we're going to step up. Somebody say step up. Step up. Take a look at what Deuteronomy 10, 11 says in the ESV. And the Lord said to me, arise. You got to arise. You got to get up. You got to step up. And go on your journey at the head of the people, so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. See, Moses is, is recounting here in the book of Deuteronomy. He's telling a lesson that he has learned, and he is recounting what God is saying about their next step in the process. See, Moses learned that he has to step up. He has to arise and get out in front of the people. 
He's got to get out in front of what's going on. Church, I got to tell you that that's exactly what leadership is going to look like in your life and in my life. We're going to have to step up. We're going to have to get out in front. We're going to have to show by our diligence to step up and get in front of the people. And that's not just for the married folks in here. I'm going to talk to you in a second. But what about you singles? That's stepping up and getting out in front of the circumstances that are going on in your life. Getting out in front of the responsibilities that you have. And goodness gracious, that's for our married and our families in here. For the husbands to step up and get out in front and show them by their actual walk, by actually the steps that they're taking, what their family is going to do because the men are leading, because our women are leading our children, because this is what God has for us. It's to step up. And especially... Somebody say especially. Especially. Pastor, yes, we're going to step up today, but especially when things look like they're chaotic in your world. See, this is the part where we all go, yes, we're going to step up until we look at what's before us and go, man, that's a little crazy. That's a little chaotic. That's going to be a little different. What that causes us to do is want to step back. But what we're going to do in this house is we're going to say, we're going to step up. Somebody say step up today. Step up. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 22, and we're going to start in verse 1. Say, step up whenever you get there. Deuteronomy 22, 1. If you see your fellow Israelites' ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. If they do not live near you, or if you do not know who owns it, Take it home with you and keep it until they come looking for it. Then give it back. Do the same. I like the way the word is very pashat. Do the same if you find their donkey or cloak or anything else they have lost. Do not ignore it. If you see your fellow Israelites donkey or ox fallen on the road, do not ignore it. Help the owner get it to its feet. Now, help me count this through. In the passage we just read from verse 1 to 4, how many times did they say, or he say, do not ignore it? Three. Three distinct times that he walked through this. And it begins with, if you see something that's evident in front of, in your face, do not ignore it. See, this requires the ability to step up into the chaos. So as you walk through this, if there's an ox or sheep that is lost, straying or wandering, you have an obligation to step up into that chaos and not to ignore it. This is why God caused you to see it in the first place. What if you had a possession? If you had something that you lost or was wandering or straying and someone else saw it, wouldn't you want them to find it and bring it back to you and restore it? Absolutely. Well, this is our our obligation to what God puts in front of our face. This is the same thing for anything lost, whether a donkey or cloak. We do not ignore it. Again, if the donkey or ox is following the road, we do not ignore it. We must step up to get this chaos back in order. It is your responsibility to step up into the chaos and put things in right shalom. You must help the owner get it to its feet. Man, this is a requirement on our part to help the owner stand to his feet so that what he owns also stands to their feet. See, 
our stepping up is designed to bring resurrection elevation in other people's lives and everything else that's attached to them. It's not just about you alone. It's your responsibility to God and right order with man. Well, God's nature is to step up into the chaos. I mean, just we have to turn there. Genesis 1, 1 verse 2 and then into 3. Man, there is tohu vavohu on earth. There is, it's formless, it's empty, it is chaotic and absent of life. And what does God do? His spirit is hovering over it. He's watching it. He sees it. It's before his face, but he's about to do something about it. When the spirit of the Lord is hovering over that tohu vavohu, he then says, let there be light. That's his word speaking into the chaos. His word stepping up into that chaos and bringing right order and begin to restore what the earth had become. Well, it's the same with us. We, we're made in God's image. We're made in his likeness. We've been transformed into who he is. He's put his spirit inside of us that's hovering over the chaos of other people. He's designed us to speak his word into chaos and to bring that into right order, thereby glorifying his very image that's at work inside of us. Come on, church. We're going to get into this more today. Anybody ever seen something and wanted to walk the opposite way? Yes. Yeah, yes. often. Anybody felt a tense situation and you just want to pretend like you're not there and just slide out of the way? Yes. All the time. <laughs> we understand this. It's almost like God understood that. And so he's telling his people when he's inclining their heart through the book of Deuteronomy, he's saying, if you see it, you have a responsibility to step up into it. Let's talk about your family for a second. If you see chaos and there's something that's going on, you cannot look the other way. Everybody should agree with that pretty easily, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Come on, uh, we just have new Ariel in the house today for the first time. Ariel Batzion Trister. Was that close? Okay, yeah, he's gonna, he's, he Got loves it. me, so that was, that was exactly what it's supposed to be. I remember back when my kids were little. I'm sure that Justin is much more of a man of God than I am. I just remember the kids crying at night and me hearing it, knowing it needed, and just stayed really still. <laughs> if I stay really still right now and quiet, maybe someone else will take care of it. It's funny when you're talking about, yeah, even Lincoln got understood. He got it, right? The problem is, is if we're doing that today in our own homes. We're hearing and we're seeing problems and we're not stepping up into it. See, it's God's character to do this. Turn with us to Ezekiel 34. Everybody go to Ezekiel 34. And we're going to look at verse 15. Somebody stay, step up when you get there. Ezekiel 34. It is God's character to see something and step into the situation and bring right order. Look what he says in Ezekiel 34 and verse 15. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Now put yourself in a shepherd's shoes here for just a second. The Lord is saying, I will tend my sheep. I'm going to take care of them and I'm going to have them lie down. How difficult is it to get you to have your kids to lie down when they're excited about what's going on? How difficult is it for you to lie down when you are worried and concerned about things? 
See, the Lord understands what it's like to step up and into the situation. He's saying, I'm going to tend you. I'm going to have you lie down. How chaotic can it be when you're trying to get someone to lie down, when God is trying to get his sheep to lie down? I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. See, it is God's nature. What you heard in Deuteronomy 22 was about someone who's lost items or are part of their possessions, who their, their ox or their sheep were straying. They were lost. They were straying. This is exactly the kind of language that God is saying about shepherding his people. I will go and search for the lost. I will bring back those who are straying off course. Come on, church. Isn't that what God is doing here in this place? He's searching after the lost. He's bringing back those who have strayed. Anybody in this house ever strayed? Yeah, every hand, both hands should go up. And God is faithful to shepherd you and bring yes. you back. He'll even bind you up if you're injured, if you've fallen down on the road. He can help you to stand, and he can help every part of your life to stand. I will bind up the injured, strengthen the weak. God, do you hear these terms of shepherding that are here that yes. God is giving? He's saying, I'm stepping up to it, and I'm going to do this. This is giving us the model, the example of what we must do. We can be in a state where we're constantly straying in our thoughts, where, where we're trying to lead our own household. If you're a single, where you're trying to lead yourself, and you're straying from what God has. But he wants us to step up into it, not ignore it, not look away Amen. from it, but step up into it. Because he is the kind of God who shepherds with justice. That means he is shepherding with a staff of righteousness, Amen. with a standard that is in his hand. And that's what we must do as well. Amen. Pastor mentioned stepping up into shepherd's shoes. I think they look a lot like what we're wearing this morning. Boots. Boots that are designed to step up into chaos as we pastor. Turn it with me to Proverbs 24, and we're going to look at verse 11. Step up whenever you get there. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? This passage is a clear call that we are to step up and rescue those who are being led away by their own sinful nature straight into death. Rescue those that are staggering towards the slaughter of their own souls. You are the one who sees it. And you are the one who must step up into the chaos and bring about his right order in that person's life. Here's the point. God will hold us accountable to what we see and do nothing about. There will be no room for excuses, no reason for ignoring it. The good news is that his word is giving us the strength to step up into the chaos. The ability to lead others out of it and into his right order that brings about life. We're designed to enter the tohu vavohu and bring about resurrection to raise from the dead and the kind of power that God has always been displaying. Turn with us to Matthew chapter 9. 
Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 1. Somebody say, step up when you get there. Matthew 9 and verse 1 says this, Jesus stepped up into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, don't you love how much the Bible is able to tell you what other people are thinking to themselves? That's incredible. They were thinking and they said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming, knowing their thoughts. Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Now think about this. Think about this as an average day in the life of Jesus Christ. It's hard to put the words average. I should say a, uh, a, a representative day in the life of Jesus Christ. See, he is there, and just what had happened prior to these verses is he's coming from the chaos of having to step up and deal with a demoniac at Gerasene. Now he steps into a boat and comes into his home, own hometown. And what's happening there is he's immediately met with different levels of chaos going on around him. But he's stepping up into every one of them. First, he sees a man that's brought on a mat. He's a paralyzed man. And wouldn't you think that the very first thing that he would do is look at this man and say, be healed. He saw the more important need. See, when you're stepping into the chaos, you have to be seeing the right thing. He is seeing that the man's most prevalent need was not the condition of his natural body, but it was the state of his soul. Come on. And Jesus said, man, there's something going on here. I can see this. Let me tell you something, son. Your sins are forgiven. And with that, the man was liberated. The man had a change in heart. It was the day he encountered the Lord himself. Boy, that should be the, the end of this very happy story, right? But it's not. Because that act of righteousness, by Jesus stepping up and into the chaos, it seemed to cause more chaos. It seemed to cause other things. But what did he do? Did he ignore that and just move on? Nope. No, he stepped nope. into that too. They didn't even have to say something before Jesus began to address them. Do you, do you like it when somebody doesn't say something to you sometimes because you can ignore what you know is obviously going on? <laughs> well, they didn't say anything. Well, they didn't ask for my help. Yeah, and you saw that they absolutely needed your help. Jesus is stepping in and going, I know what you're thinking. What kind of evil thoughts are you having about what I just did? And by the way, he does go on and just heal the man physically as well. He doesn't ignore that part, but he knew that that wasn't the most important part. Somebody say most important part. Most important part. See, what God is going to do today is to help you to step up and realize what the most important part is. That's to get things in right order, to eliminate the chaos. Sometimes we make it about something else in our difficulties because we're willing to do that and we're ignoring the heart of the matter. God didn't do that in Genesis. He didn't do it in Ezekiel. He's not doing it here in Matthew and neither can we do it today. Somebody say step up. Step up. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. There you go. Say it loud. Revelation 19, 12. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. When Jesus steps up, this is the image you should have of him doing that. His eyes blaze like fire. He's on a mission, and the fire of God's presence is what is fueling his pursuit of it. He sees the necessity to step up into chaos and bring about the right order that his father desires. In Deuteronomy 10, Moses was told to step up and lead the people. This is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He has stepped up and is leading the armies of heaven who just so happen to be dressed just like their king. Riding white horses just like their king has stepped up to become just like their king. See, whenever we are wholeheartedly stepping up into the chaos that he is stepping into, we found, find the power of all of heaven now available and at work inside of us. See, as you've been working on your remembers, as you've been working on this, it's supposed to, supposed to, re, to put down in your heart this strengthening, this security of what you are and who you are, that you're his sons. And now we get to be just like him. We get to step up into the situations that he's putting us in so that his right order, so that his power, so that his presence can be seen in every situation in your life. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and let's look at verse 17. Somebody say, step up when you get there. First John chapter 4 and verse 17, it says this. This is how love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world... We are like Jesus. <laughs> In this world, we are like Jesus. We are not only his representatives, but we are the sons of God and we step up just the way that God has told us. We've got some other things that we want to share with you, but, but I want to make sure that we're all uh, personally engaging with this just the way that your pastors have been this week. It's... You have to learn to step up and not step back from the chaotic situations in your life. Those difficulties that are there. Come on, anybody ever like me and you're worried about, uh, you might have gained a few pounds. So instead of just stepping on the scale to know, <laughs> the scale becomes the most dusty item in your house because you're just not going to step up on it. <laughs> you... You're worried about something. It's actually playing on in your mind. Well, maybe, maybe your weight is not what you have to battle with. Maybe it's your finances. You're worried about your finances, so you just turn a blind eye to it. You're just like, look, it just becomes this, I'm going to just throw it out there and hope that it all works out magically. That's never how that gets better. It's not how your checkbook is going to get better. It's not how your waistline is going to get better. But those are so much lesser examples. What I'm trying to show you is very practical examples that deal with our heart that doesn't yeah. want to step up and deal with the obvious problem that's right before you. Yeah. 
Let's make it somebody else's issue. Let's make it somewhere else. Let me just push it down the road. And as they say, kick the can for the next generation to deal with that. No, this is LCM. This is what God is calling us to do today. To step up into whatever he's got. You know why? Because we are supposed to be like him. Amen. Actually, that's not what the verse says. The verse doesn't say you're supposed to be like him. It says we are like Jesus. This is our responsibility is to step up exactly as he would, exactly in the same demeanor, entrusting ourselves to him that he will be able to do this. When you do this, your love is able to be made complete. Not just to feel the love of God, but to have a love that is made complete among us. How is that done? That's done as we act, as we are like Jesus. We can have so much confidence that even on the day of judgment, we don't have to be swayed. We don't have to be afraid. Even on the day of judgment, we can stand because we know that he is transforming us into being exactly what he is. Amen. Come on now, this is a good day for us LCM. It's a day that we're not going to just hear the word, but we're going to step up and be active in doing the word in every area of our life. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, this word is preaching to me this morning. It's cutting my heart. It's giving me clarity what I need to do. Well, let's all go to Deuteronomy 11 and see how this progresses forward. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. When you look at this one verse in Deuteronomy 11, I see what Jesus says that echoes it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. You want to demonstrate that you actually love me, do what I ask you to do. And that starts with stepping up into the chaos. But there's something that goes along with that effort of stepping up into the chaos. As Pastor was talking earlier, that reasoning in your mind begins to get in the way and obstruct your obedience to step up in the chaos. You begin to run through all the scenarios of, if I say this and they're going to say this, if I step on the scale, it's going to say this back at me. All the what-if type of conditions, and you've resolved to a conclusion that God has not brought you to. So that nullifies your effort to be obedient, to just step up. Well, that has to be crushed. That's chaos that has to be replaced with right order. Well, the progression from Deuteronomy 10, now in the first verse of 11, gives you exactly what establishes that right order. It's his word. And more importantly, it's the love for his word. See, loving the Lord is demonstrated in keeping to the standard of the word. It keeps you on mission, meaning taking charge and responsibility to step up into the chaos. And here's the second part and to raise up the standard of his word. It's no longer based on my own reasoning, my own feeling. It's all about his standard of his word directing my every thought, emotion, and action. We step up in the chaos to raise up right order in the chaos. The reason we are called to step up in the chaos is to raise up his shalom. And for how long? Always. 
all of the days, perpetually walking and establishing that shalom. Not just making it one time and say that I'm good, checkbox. This is something that is to be done on an ongoing basis. Church, it is so vital for us as a family to rightly step up into whatever chaos is going on in your life, in your world. And we're supposed to do that all of our days, always, never looking to back up, to shut up or let up. Amen. But stepping up has to be coupled with something. It has to be coupled with raising up. When you step up, you've got to raise up the standard of God's word because you could step up into a situation, but if you're doing what you think, what you want, and what you desire, that is not what we're talking about. When you're stepping up to be like Christ, you have to raise up and elevate the actual standard of God's word in every thought, in every action that you have. When you elevate his righteous standard, it allows you to keep to guard his requirements, his decrees, his laws, his commands, his testimony, his word. You're able to do that, and that's what brings right order inside of you. That's, what's, that's what is allowing God's testimony to be seen in you. And on the earth around you, it will crush every chaotic circumstance that you're in. The temptation is that once you've stepped up, we want to raise up our own thoughts. Now that I've done that, I've done this big, bold thing. Now is to kind of do it. Now I'm on my own. No, 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 no. I assure you that when you step up, there's something that raises up, and that's God's word. Turn with us to Proverbs chapter 30. And let's look at verse 5. Proverbs 30 and verse 5. It says this. Every word of God is flawless. Come on. Every single word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The word becomes a shield for those who take refuge in him. Do not add to the words or he will rebuke you and prove you to be a liar. Church, God's words is flawless. That means that we can entrust our entire lives to it. But I have to be honest with you. The reason that I'm sharing this with you today is because I'm trying to raise that standard in my own life. I know this to be true, and I've known it to be true, well, I thought for a long time. But when I'm looking at it, realizing that not only do I step up, but I want to raise up the standard Amen. of his word. I yes. want to raise it high so that I can see, and you can see, and everyone can see that his word is flawless. I can entrust myself to it entirely. He becomes a shield for those who take refuge in the flawless nature of his word. Somebody, somebody say the word is flawless. The word is flawless. He's a shield. Anybody needed a shield this week? Anybody felt like the darts, the fiery darts of the enemy were there? You needed a shield. It's the word. It's always the word. When you take refuge in the word, it becomes a shield. I'm reminded of Proverbs 25 that said, all the ways of the Lord are loving. They're righteous for those who keep the demands, those who keep the, the, the testimony of the covenant, for those who entrust themselves. You got to step up, yes, but you've also got to raise up the standard of God's word that it might be preeminent above all. We don't need to embellish. What happens when you're embellishing something that you feel like the Lord has said? You're lifting what you embellish over what he said. What happens when you modify it or you omit or you soften? 
No, those are not what we're looking for, church. What God is calling us to very specifically as this group of people is to say, let's lift up the standard of God's word. Let's lift it up higher and higher. Pastor, I'm trying. Yeah, keep lifting it up higher. Don't you change it not one little bit. You see what it says and you mold your life to it. You step up into what the chaotic situation is and you say, this is the answer. This is the only answer. And we yield everything else to what the word says. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Say, step up and raise up when you get there. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 89. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have preserved my life. When you are raising up the standard of his word, you are raising up the eternal, never-ending, all-enduring standard that has been crushing chaos from the beginning. When you are raising up the standard of his word, you are establishing an immovable and heavenly foundation that generations can then build upon. The never-ending nature of his word provides the never-ending shalom in our own lives and in our homes. Raising up the standard of the word is what has kept me from being consumed in my own chaos. That his eternal and enduring word comes alive. It sets my mind and heart in right order. And now I can step up and raise up that standard for others to experience the same thing. It's not the raising up of my word that has preserved my life. That's failed every time. It's the raising up of his word, his precepts, that has caused me to flourish in the house of God. We want you to flourish in this house today. What we know is that this is a group of people who wants to hold the word of God high, and we are striving to be able to do that. We're working with all of his might that so powerfully works within us to do this. We're calling your attention to it because we all need it, don't we? Yes. We need to realize and re-elevate the word of God in our lives. It's not just about your effort. It's not just about your commitment level. It's about elevating the word of God, raising it up so that it is doing the work. Because think about it, as we're saying, you need to raise the standard of God's word. What inevitably happens is, is that the word of God begins to raise you up in the process. Lord, I want to hold you higher. And he says, yes, come on up higher. Yeah. I want to hold you higher. And he says, yes, I will raise you up in the process. This is how we become prosperous in the kingdom of God. Look at Matthew 5. Turn with me to Matthew 5. And let's look at verse 18. Step up, raise up. Verse 18 says this, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law, from the word, until everything is accomplished. Man, if we can move this out of the theological 
textbooks that we have and move it down deep into our heart. His word is not going to disappear until everything, somebody say everything. Everything. Everything is accomplished. If he said it, he has the power and he will make sure that it is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Come on now, but look at this, look at this phrase and think about the people who are sitting around you. Think about your own life. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We are called great as we lift up his name, as we lift up his word, and he elevates us in the process. Because everything he said is going to come to pass. It will be accomplished. Not only is the word of God flawless and perfect in every way, the word of God always completes what it sets out to do. It completes everything that it intends to do, everything that it's in its purpose to do. Jeremiah tells us, that God had made a covenant. He has made a covenant with the day and with the night. He's made a covenant with the laws of the, of the heavens and the earth. And only if those unbreakable things could be broken do we need to worry about it. Do you know what that's supposed to do inside of us? Make sure that we don't worry about it. He's giving us the absolute confirmation, the absolute security to know that this word that he gives will come to pass. Amen. Now let's talk about the word in your life. If the Lord has spoken to you something, it will come to pass. That's a good word. It must come to pass. It is going to come to pass because there is nothing like his word that is able to do this. It won't go away. As long as you're still standing on the planet, as long as you can look up and see something Amen. in the sky, then you know that his word is still in effect for you. Man, I'm looking at men like Ibrahim Zakari, and I'm seeing, and I know that God has a word for him that will come to pass. Amen. I know it because he is able to make it that way. He is able, as we raise up the standard, I know it will raise him up because that's what he does to every one of us. Come on, Cody Stevens got a word for you and it's going to come to pass. What is that supposed to do to our everyday life, church? We understand this and we think we believe this, but every time it actually comes down to it on the day that we need it, we do not remember. We forget. We think that it's something else and we're pretty sure that we've messed this up too bad. That's not our ongoing, ever-increasing journey that God has put us on. See, we aren't those who are going to step aside or ignore we're not going to ignore the least command that God has. Not the smallest pen stroke is going to be missing in our lives. We're going to be practicing. And not only are we practicing, but we're teaching it. We're stepping up and we're raising up these commands. And we're going to be leading other people to do the same. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Isn't it encouraging to know that in your hands you have the eternal word of God that can daily crush the chaos of worry and anxiety inside of you? As many times as it takes, his word is able to sufficiently put that chaos into right order. Well, turn with us to Isaiah 55 and say, step up, raise up whenever you get there. Isaiah 55, 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth 
and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Come on, saints, we cannot give up on the eternal, enduring, and accomplishing nature of God's word. It is, very, is the very thing that sustains us. And any time that we have fear, anxiety, doubt, it needs to be subdued with the inter eternal nature of God's word. He said it. He is going to do it. That gives us the courage then to raise up that standard of his word. And by doing so, it's a guarantee that the will of God will be accomplished. It will achieve the purpose for which he sent it. When you step up into chaos, turn from your desire to use your own words to accomplish God's purpose. And raise up the standard of his word that has been proven and true to accomplish. Your own words are not good enough to crush the chaos and establish shalom. But saints, his word is as many times as it takes. Turn with us to Genesis 17. Genesis chapter 17. Somebody say, step up and raise up when you get there. Genesis 17 and verse 3. It says this. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me. God is saying, as for me, this is my covenant with you. How solid do you think that makes it if it's God that's speaking here? As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Amen. Hang on just a second. Let's, let's just get this. I want us to, to, to contemplate this for a second. In verse 4, he says, you will be the father of many nations. In verse 5, he says, I'm changing your name, for I have made you the father of many nations. Mm. In one verse, we see a tension between the verb tenses here. I will, will you be, or have, been you, have you been made this? And what is the answer? Yes! yes. God is speaking to Abram in that moment and saying, I'm telling you what this path will be. And I'm changing your name now because as far as I'm concerned, the one who can bring this about as God himself, I'm going to say that it is already done inside of you. I have made you this. Abraham is 99 years old in this passage. He's 99. He has yet to find the son of promise. Yet to have the son of promise. And what God is saying is, yeah, I'm going to make you a father of nations. <laughs> I have made you a father of nations. Kings are going to come from you. And it gets even better. Are you ready to be encouraged by something even better than the thought of what God says now? He can also say as if it's done because in his mind, he has the ability, the will, the desire, and will accomplish it in you. Amen. Come on now, we got a little bit better. Let's keep going. It says this, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. Everybody say everlasting covenant. Everlasting covenant. Between me and you, this is God still speaking, 
and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now, I want you to catch something. This is a a teaching that has moved my heart that this church has had, I know, for a long time. But it was moving me this week as I was thinking about it. So I wanted to share it with you. This idea that God has made an everlasting covenant between God and Abraham and his descendants. Now, you may miss this because of the English way that this is done, the, the way that it's said. But there's a tension here that's just like in verses 4 and 5. I will make you, I have made you. When you think about in verse 7 what God is saying here, God is establishing an everlasting covenant with Abraham and his descendants. He's establishing an everlasting covenant with the man Abraham and all of the descendants after him for the generations to come. This is an everlasting, ongoing, perpetual, never-ending covenant. A promise that God is making with Abraham. And God is making it with the man and saying, it's with you and your offspring. In other words, it is going to be required for God to keep this promise. It's going to be required that Abraham has to have the power of the resurrection at work in him. It's not just that my covenant is with you and then it will go on through the generations. He's saying it's with you and your generation. Somebody say and. And. It requires the power of the resurrection to be enacted in Abraham's life for this to be seen. Look at the next verse. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you. How can you have an everlasting possession? If it's just to you, then that means that the timer runs out at some point and it's not an everlasting. He would have said over the course of your lifetime, for your whole life, this will be the case. That's not the promise for the covenant nor for the possession of the land. He's saying it's an everlasting covenant. It's with you and your descendants. The land is an everlasting possession for you and for your descendants. Church, I want to tell you, That God's word is so elevated, it's so lofty, it's so flawless that we're going to have to change our perspective on some of the things that he said to you. We're going to have to change our perspective. Abraham, for for God's word to be true, Abraham has to be resurrected so that it's still with him and his descendants in the land forever. This covenant with Abraham did not end when his physical body died. This promise with Abraham is an everlasting covenant. Yeah, it is. Okay. Let's, let's put this for us here today. The promises that God is making to you, he wants to make longer than just about your lifespan. Yeah. Anybody in this house have, have uh, believed that the Lord has spoken to you about ministry in your future? The ministry that God has spoken to you about, it's got to be more than just for you. It is. It's got to be. His intention is that it's for the generations to come. When God speaks to you, his word never fails. It Amen. always accomplishes, even if it has to extend beyond your life, even if it takes the completion in the resurrection itself, God himself is going to carry about his word for you. 
It's more than just you. It's more than just what you can raise up in your own lifetime. God is doing something. He's saying, step up. You raise up my word, and I will literally raise you up so that you can raise up your generations. Amen. It's for the generations to come. I don't know if we can put the slide on the screen, but it says it's about the generations to come. This specific phrase in the NIV 1984 is listed 39 times generations to come. This phrase, 38 of the 39 times are in the Torah. It's in the first five books of the law. And the only other time that it's mentioned is Psalm 106, which is referencing the efforts of Phinehas in the book of Numbers. It is trying to incline our hearts to something, church, that God's purpose is for the generations to come. His purpose in you, why do you have to step up? Why do you have to raise up the standard? It's because he's wanting to raise you up. He's wanting to raise your generations up so that his word will be completed. Oh, that our hearts would be inclined towards understanding this. His will for you. Glenn, his will for you is more than just about you. It's for you to step up and allow God's power to be seen in you so that you are able, that his word is able to be seen in you and your generations. Come on, church. It's for the generations to come. Let's go back to the Torah. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to pick up with verse 8. Step up, raise up when you get there. Observe, therefore, all the commands I am giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess and so that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers to give to them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. In this passage, it begins with observe all the commands, meaning raising up the standard of God's word. This is the very thing that will give you the strength to go in and take possession of what God has promised. A standard that you keep coming back to that sets you in right shalom and everything around you in right shalom. His word is the source of our strength to step up into the chaos and bring about his right order. Now in this passage, it's giving you the strength to cross the Jordan. This required the strength from the standard of God's word to step up into the chaos of the floodwaters, moving to go take possession of the land and raising up the standard that continually gives them and gives us the ability to conquer. Not only the strength to take possession, but also to perpetually stay in possession. Did you notice that word and at the beginning of verse 9? And so that you may live long in the land. It's not just a one-time moment of establishing right order and shalom, but it's an ongoing and perpetual state of shalom that we get in. It's time to step up and raise up, church. As it was for Moses and Israel, so it is for us. After having the tablets of our heart re-inscribed, we must step up and raise up. There is land for us to possess. There are promises that we are to inherit and fulfill through our generations. We must step up into chaos and do that with the standard of God's word elevated above us. That means it's in our speech. It's in our thoughts. 
It's in our daily conversations and in our decisions. Look, church, there's not an area of your life that is exempt from the standard of God's word. It applies to everything in your word. And when you are stepping up into the chaos, his word can be that right solution that you raise up and you bring right order everywhere that you go. Take a look at verse 18. It says this, fix these words of mine in your hearts. I love that word. It could mean to attach, but I like the way that it fixes us. We fix by the words in your minds, in your hearts. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. See, immediately as we're talking about this, we're talking about fixing these laws, teaching, tying them, binding them, and then we immediately think about the next generation. Teach them to your children. Talking with your children when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses. Write them on the, on the gates that you have so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. It's not only about your lifespan or the lifespan of your children. It's about the lifespan of God's word, which is going for all of eternity. He has his word that he will fulfill. See, in this passage, we've got to understand what it's like as we're raising up the standard. As we've stepped up into it, we raise up the standard of God's word. It helps us and raises us up as we're raising our children up. There are seven verbs here in this passage. Fix them, tie them, bind them, teach them, talk about them, write them, and write them again. It tells us what we must do. Why? So that your days. Why are you elevating these things? If for us, we, it's so that our days and the days of our children may be like the days of what God's word is already accomplishing. Church, God's intention for you is not just for your life. It's not even for the extended life of you and your children. But God's purposes seen in you as his testimony is that as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth, his nature is a perpetual nature. His word is an ongoing word. His covenant is an eternal covenant. And he wants us to step up into his word, to raise up his word, and to be able to raise up the righteous seed that that word produces in us. Amen. As we near our close, let's turn to Acts chapter 26. There you go. Acts 26, we'll start in verse 15. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. This is very familiar to us. It's Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, but being recounted to King Agrippa. He's actually standing before a king under trial bearing witness of his day one of transformation. In the beginning of what the Lord told him was now get up and stand to your feet. Have the courage to begin to stand up and walk in obedience with what his word says to do. Man, this passage is, it, it's been wrecking me. 
It's been telling me in my times of paralysis and second-guessing and double-mindedness. Stop all this internal debate about your own word and your own reasoning. Come back to my word. Now get up and stand on your feet. Be ready to do what I tell you to do. And it's not going to be comfortable. Verse 17 says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. I am sending you into the chaos so you can step up into the chaos. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. To raise up the standard of God's word and establish shalom in the midst of chaos. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul is remembering the moment the tablets of his heart were first re-inscribed. And the first thing the Lord tells him to do is to get up and stay on your feet. Be prepared for the work I have arranged for you to do. To step up is to act upon what the Lord has already shown you of what you have already seen and what you will see. I mean, how much has God revealed to us about his will for our lives, about his function of us in the body? Never second guess it again. He's already said it. He is going to accomplish it. He is faithful to his word and he will fulfill it inside of you. Step up into the chaos and raise up the standard of God's word because he has called every single person here to demonstrate and establish his shalom in the midst of chaos. Church, why don't you stand with us right now as we get to our last scripture together? Livy, if you'll put Joshua chapter 1 and uh, verse 7 on the screen. Church, as, as we are thinking and contemplating and, and working in our hearts about what the Lord has been speaking to us. There's a time where what the Lord has been speaking to us, it is our responsibility to now stand up. To step up into what he has for us. That we will step up into God's plan for our lives. Look at verse 7. It says this, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Not in your own thoughts, not in your own heart, not in your family, not in those in your household. Do not turn so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. Somebody say be careful. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Hey, church, he's commanded us. He's given us his word. He's given it to us in such an overwhelmingly beautiful, an overwhelmingly powerful, an overwhelmingly prominent kind of way. It is now time for us to step up and have strength and courage to step up into the chaos in our own minds, in our own hearts, to step up into the chaos in our own families, to not ignore it but to step up into it that we might bring it back into right order because of God's overwhelming word to us. Church, what areas 
do you need to step up into today? That God is calling you. You've actually seen it. You've seen the chaos in your own heart. You've seen the chaos in your own family, in your own circumstances. But you've done exactly what Deuteronomy 22 said and you've just ignored it. No more. No more of ignoring those moments of chaos and retreating from it. But we're going to step up into it. What areas today does the Lord need to open your eyes to see that there's chaos? You're so comfortable with it, you haven't even noticed it as out of order, as out of God's plan for your life. Today, God is going to open your eyes as you're able to step up into it and to deal with it because God is calling us to do so. Church, it's time to raise up the word in our lives. We can collectively say, that this is one of the strongest word-based churches. But that collection takes the responsibility off of you. It takes it off of me as an individual. We do a good job with the word. Yes, but it's time for you to raise up the standard of the word in your own life, in your own home. We're far too comfortable with being afraid to not move forward. That doesn't happen as we stand up and we raise up the word with not adding anything to it, not subtracting, not omitting, not softening it, not making it too hard. We're giving the word, the word, the word. Psalm 138.2 says that God has exalted his name and his word above all. In some versions of that translation, you can see that he's exalted his word higher than all else. Church, it's time for you to exalt the word in your own life. Church, it's time for us to realize that his promise to us are going to take generations to accomplish. They're mandated to do so. There will be things that we can accomplish in our day, but the God's word to us is for the generations to come. We have a part in this. The altar is going to be open. If you need to step up and step into the chaos of things that you've been ignoring or that you've been blinded to. If you just need to raise up the word of God in your heart, then raise up your hands today and let God begin to transform us. Mighty God, we love you and we need you. Lord, you are so good to us, Lord. We want to step up into the chaos, not step away from it, not turn a blind eye to it, but Lord, step into the chaos and put it in right order because of your word. Lord, we exalt your word and we want to exalt your word above all. Lord, not just for others, not collectively, but as an individual, Lord, I want to exalt your word more. I want to raise up the standard of your word more, God. Help us, Lord, we know that as we raise up your word, it will raise us up. Lord, that you would have your word raised and elevated in this place, in our hearts. Lord, that we might be able to accomplish the promises, accomplish that which you have put before us. Lord, we know it will take us raising up the generations. And the only way to do that rightly is to raise up your word. Lord, help us today as we step up and raise up in Jesus' name.